It has the power to unite people in a way that little else does. You're supposed to say, you know, we're important. You're yeah. supposed to say, it's all going to be all right. At a 1.7 grade point average. I hope none of you can relate. <laughs> Your unique, simplifying, minimizing, growth junkie journey. And I have to tell you, I am filled with gratitude. So much gratitude. Always look for the people who are helping, she'd tell us. You'll always find somebody who's trying to help. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. My name is Jordan, and welcome to Our Unique Life. I'm one of those people who like to break rules, you know, if they just to bend them, you know, just to test them out kind of person. My name is Mike Trung. I'm the CEO of Faint Media. We are a digital agency built for the future of new media, and I am 23 years old. A CEO at 23. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> so where were you born? Uh, I was born in Portland, Oregon. Still there? Yep, I've lived here pretty much all my life. Your parents were immigrants? Uh, yeah, they came here uh, from Vietnam. Vietnam, okay, that's pretty cool. Would you say that they're the immigrant cliches of like working you hard and, you know, trying to make you what they want you to be, why they came to the U.S., is that true or were they pretty, pretty normal parents? I think you're like definitely spot on about the whole immigrant like cliche thing. That's like... I think that's almost every Asian American story. <laughs> so you grew up in Portland, Oregon, and you had parents that pushed you, um, and you went off to college. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to college at uh, Oregon State. I graduated with uh, computer science and biology. It took me about six years to graduate, so it took me a while. Did you know what you wanted to do when you started? Um, essentially, sorta. My dad told me that he wanted me to be an engineer and that's all I really knew because that's how they sort of raised me so I didn't really think of you know any other options like including like any of the arts um, I just they just told me that I needed to make money and it was either going to be a doctor or an engineer so I chose to be an engineer how did that make you I don't know we obviously had different upbringings but if my parents said oh I want you to be this career or this profession I would have I was such a rebellious teenager that I would have been like, no, I'm not going to do that, you know. Um, just because you knew your parents' background, did you, were you okay with them, them kind of hinting at what they wanted you to be? I think I was okay at the moment because, you know, to be honest, I didn't know where, like, I didn't know what I wanted to be either. I knew that my, at a young age, my dad taught me how to use a computer really well. And so um, essentially the whole entire process up to high school and college I knew how to use computers, so the only like the only path I could see for myself is becoming an engineer. Mm. So you started college, and did you make friends pretty easily? Oh, was, I think it was like one of the most difficult times of my life. Like college did not go well for me. I was one of those kids who would uh, 
sit in his apartment and just play League of Legends like 24-7. Welcome to Summer's Rift. I would barely go to class also, so I was like a big gamer back then. What rank did you make it to? I made it all the way up to Challenger. It was, uh, I played a lot. Like, um, we were the first college team at OSU. Uh, I formed the first, like, League of Legends team at OSU. And, um, like, I remember the first tournament we won. We won, like, 300 bucks total, and we, and we were able to split it. And I was like, wow, I wanted to try to be a, a pro League of Legends player. But that never really worked out. <laughs> you played a lot of video games, and that kind of made your grades suffer a little bit. And Yeah, definitely. I think one of the memories that come, like, real quick is, like, I think... I was a junior, or no, I, I was a senior, and uh, my parents had called me, and they uh, they called me every two weeks, and they always asked how how I am, and um, essentially they were asking me like, oh, are you gonna graduate soon? And I, I and at that time I was a senior, but I was only studying at a level of a junior or even under because I had failed so many classes, but I would constantly tell my parents that you know, yeah, I, I'm on track to graduate, kind of thing. Right. Um, and essentially, it was it was just so hard to lie to my parents. And you know, as as school went on and I did worse and worse, um, they would always call and ask me how I am, and the progress would never really match up with what I was saying. So essentially, I was you know, I was lying to my parents, and that sort of grew on into my my personal career or my personal life, where I was you know giving white lies to my friends, and that sort of broke down a lot of my friendships. At one point, I really I only had like a couple of friends, and that's like. That was like a big roller coaster in my life where it was like almost depression in the sense that um, I didn't have many friends and I was failing at school. So it it was such a struggle because being an entrepreneur itself, you know, there's a lot of risk and I, I had to deal with all of those, you know, simultaneously at the same time. And it was like it was just a difficult part of my life. Like I didn't know where I was going. And it was like it was almost a, a midlife crisis at age 20. Was the reason you were lying to your parents like out of shame or you didn't want to disappoint them or was it more about like your self-ego and that you didn't want to admit that you were a little bit behind? I think it's definitely some of both. I think the shame of being like an Asian American and knowing that, you know, a lot of my friends were already, you know, at a certain level in their life. And, you know, my sister who um, graduated uh, like maybe two years before I did, she was in the medical field. So it was and my dad who works for the government. And so it was that big, you know, threshold of, you know, can I meet the expectations? And every every year I would, you know, I would tell them that you know, I'm graduating and I would always have to come up with some extraordinary lie of, you know, the teacher, you know, gave me a bad grade. He didn't like me or, you know, I missed the class. So I have to take uh, I have to go through a whole entire year to take the class again. Do they ever piece it together? Um, I think they sort of knew. I think a lot of Asian parents, they know when you're lying, but they don't want to call you out because they, they love you in the way where, you know, they know you're struggling and they want to support you, but they will never really say, you know, you know, those three words that I love you as a son or a daughter, but they'll ask you, you know, have you ate today or, you know, how's school going or, you know, they'll, they'll try to do it in some other way. That's not like, um, traditional parents, I would say. Right. So they express it more than actually say it. Yeah. Did you ever go to like parties or anything like that? Or were you pretty much just bunkered down in your dorm room? I went to like a, a handful of parties, but I was like a wallflower kind of kid, you know? I didn't really know many people. I just sort of went for the experience. I didn't really like interact uh, with, you know, the kids that were playing like, you know, uh, drinking games at that. I would always be like, hey, yeah, I don't drink, but uh, 
I'll watch you guys play. And, you know, not everyone's a big fan of someone who uh, goes to parties and not drinking just to observe everyone, you know? Right. They haven't yet learned the beauty of the designated driver. Yeah, I gotcha. You were kind of the wallflower kid, as you said. You're going to school, but kind of sucked into the video game life, which I think many, many young men such as yourself and myself do. What point did you start thinking like, hey, I kind of want to be my own boss and do my own company? Like, I, I think I came into college at age 18. I, it didn't really hit me until maybe I was 20 or I turned 21. Um, school wasn't just working out for me. Like, I, I wouldn't do well at all. Like, I would fail tests over and over. I would take classes multiple times. I, I've been, like, on academic probation almost, like, eight times. So I've been almost kicked out of the university, like, maybe two or three times. And so for me, it was like I just had a problem with authority. Like, I, I couldn't take people tell me what to do so I think when I was 21 I just decided that you know I wanted to do my own business so you know either like I, since you follow me on my or you see my social media I do a lot of food stuff mm -hmm. and so um, food was a passion of mine that I've always had and uh, I sort of ventured in it in it a bit and uh, I found that it was a lot of you know you could be extremely creative and that's the path I sort of wanted to take when it be like I wanted to be a food person, but also an entrepreneur and somehow mix that together. Right, right. What exactly does your company do? So I own Faint, has its two sides. It has its media company, which does all the services as social media, um, UI, UX engineering, um, SEO, and any anything that you see on your phone, we do for enterprises, um, small businesses, restaurants. And then the other side of my business is the Fiend Restaurant Group, which is a private restaurant group where we do um, pop-up dinners. And um, we do those events just, you know, for fun. I would say for now, um, I did plan on opening a restaurant one day, but I don't know exactly, you know, when. But that that is in the work. But right now we're just doing private dinners, and that just brings in extra revenue and also allows me to express, you know, uh, my culinary art skills. Would you say that, the rebellious side of you, you know, where you said that you had a problem with authority, was that kind of a factor in being your own boss and starting your own company, the fact that you got to call the shots? Um, I, I wouldn't say that exactly. I think for me, it was like um, what people told me what I was doing, like they told me I was doing wrong, but in my head, I was just thinking of it in, in like an alteration. Um, I think like when you're learning in school, people want it to be done, you know, a certain way, only one direction when I saw it in other ways. And uh, people just didn't really accept that. So it always bothered me. So I wanted to be my own boss in the sense that I wanted to create new things and, you know, challenge how like the social norms of how the world is now. How did you go about starting that company? Did you start just doing things in your own room and then say, hey, I could kind of make this a full-time gig or how did you even start you know once you had the idea in your mind where did you go from there i started very local i so i went to school in the corvallis oregon it's a small college town and i i essentially became uh, the head chef for the oregon state athletes when i was about 21 years old that's when i started to dip my toes in the, the culinary field and it was like, it was a really crazy because I never went to culinary school at all. And I somehow got the head chef position and um, I worked there for a while and I learned the ropes in that. But eventually I found out that um, we were wasting so much food and so much money. And as, as a student, I was paying the tuition to go to school there. And um, 
like when when you think about the numbers, we we throw away about five thousand dollars of food almost every day. We can't give it away just because of the law. And um, eventually, I quit that job and I started becoming uh, I started learning more about organics and horticulture and all the sciences. And eventually, I had a idea that I was gonna open my own restaurant. And um, I had for I guess to answer the main question, how it all started, I asked a lot of people around Corvallis, mainly a lot of professors and um, people that worked on the farm for investments, that I had this vision that I could build some kind of restaurant scene using science and, you know, grow our own stuff near the university and also have a restaurant. And I think as over time, as I grew older, like um, the business side started coming in and I started understanding media and technology in a sense that... Um, the day that I found out that my Instagram could be used as a resume, I knew technology was going to be surpassing, you know, how society was for the, like the next generations to come. Right. So you became the head chef of the athletes. You said without culinary school. So how did tell me the story of how that happened? Did you just cook something and then somebody tasted it and was like, oh, that's great. Let you know. How did, tell me that story. I, I saw the job offering on Craigslist and obviously I asked my friend named Alvin, uh, who's like a really close friend of mine. I was like, Oh, dude, do you think I should apply for this? And he said, like, you had nothing to lose. So when I went in for like, um, what chefs call it is called the stage, which is like a tryout kind of thing. And, um, he asked me, Oh, did you go to any culinary school? Do you have any culinary experience? I was like, no, nah, dude, I don't, but I have a, a I didn't, I just pulled out my phone and I showed him my uh, Instagram where I cooked all my food and I took all the pictures for it. And then he was really surprised. And so he's like, oh, why don't you create a dish or something? And, you know, and that's easy as it sounds. It's like I created a dish. He liked it. And then um, he asked, you know, when can I start? And that's how everything really happened. How much did you sweat over that one dish here? That dish that had to amaze that. Did you sweat over that a lot? Uh, I think for me, it wasn't like a huge issue because like when it came to like cooking, I was a college student already. So I was cooking good dishes with like, you know, whatever I found at the supermarket. So um, at that place, they had like almost everything you could really want, you know, like any meat you want, any vegetables. So putting together a dish wasn't really hard for me. And I wasn't nervous at all about it, to be honest. That's cool. So you became the head chef and then you were working that. And then you are also working the um, digital media angle as well. And you kind of forked these into your own career. Do you have any certain struggles that um, I watched that one video where you were talking about, you know, how you have so many different things that you have to do. You wake up and you have to check emails and then an hour later you have to go do a certain job and then later on you're doing another job. Um, does that ever get tiring or is it the fact that you're kind of doing your own thing and setting your own schedule make up for that? I think it's like my need to wanting to fulfill what I want in my life that, you know, doing stuff that I love, obviously like the, the media part, the cooking part, but also fulfilling the ability to help others. Um, so like every day it's, you know, no two days are the same for me. I wake up and I just do what I love in my life. Like, um, it's, it's so important for me that I do something I love because, um, you know, when I was younger, my dad told me that we work for the rest of our lives. And to, for me, that hit me real hard because I, if I graduated and I became an engineer, I felt like I would just sit around for like eight hours a day. And then, yeah, I would make a lot of money, but I wouldn't really be happy. And we spend most of our time, you know, working. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like, you know, 
a big part of life is loving what you do. And so I'm, I know I'm, it's very lucky that someone like me that I can find my passion, you know, but also build, build, build a company that can support other individuals and also, you know, take a paycheck home because everyone needs to keep the lights on at the end of the day. So. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think people struggle with, especially people our age that are just getting out of college is you got to kind of have that border between doing what you love, but also making money because like you said, it's, we spend majority of our days, you know, at work nine to five or whatever. Um, so you got to really find your passion in that. Yeah, definitely. But you did finally graduate. Yeah, I did. After six years, it took a while, though. (laughs) (laughs) So you graduated and you kind of get that first breath of like, ah, here's life. But I think a lot of recent college graduates learn that, oh, life is kind of rough right now. Uh, You kind of have to fend for yourself. When you're a kid, you always know your next step. You always know I have elementary school, middle school, high school, then I'm going to go to college. And then that feeling of once college ends, did you immediately know what you wanted to do? Or was there like kind of that moment of like, um, I don't exactly know what the next step is? I think like my biggest issue was when I graduated from Corvallis, I had to move back up to Portland and I had such a huge support group down in Corvallis because I was there for such a long time. And I, when I was entering the Portland scene, everything was so much different. Um, I tried to work for some of the big name chefs that have won like food and wine magazine awards and everything. And I would step in their kitchen and instantly they would, they would tell me that I'm too slow or something, or I would work for a good week and a half before they fired me. And so um, essentially like I had to rethink everything and try to figure out, you know, where's my ground zero, especially in a different city that I, that I didn't, I didn't build at all. So you didn't have success right away. You actually, you actually got fired from multiple jobs or just yeah, didn't work I, out. I, it just didn't work out because they told me I was so slow. But uh, like all the chefs I try to work for, they were like the big name chefs that I saw on TV. And so I DM'd them on the Instagram and they told me to come in. I worked there for like a couple weeks at each location. And they, they all had a, they all said the similar thing where I was a bit too slow and that I could actually go to culinary school and then come back. But uh, like, like I said, I was, I didn't really like authority. So I never really listened to Hey, Jordan here. While I was editing this interview, I realized he didn't go into too much detail on this restaurant life, and I thought that was really fascinating, and I wanted to hear more about it. So I reached out to him, and I said, hey, can you go into a little bit more detail? And he was super gracious and said sure, and he kind of came back, and he told me a more extended and detailed story. And so here it is. Uh, So I remember the story when um, I was doing my first or my first fine dining um restaurant gig uh i walked up to like this building and there's like these huge windows and you can see the kitchen already just walking right past it and uh as i walked in i saw the chef and no one would really notice me like they never really asked anything about me and uh it just pointed me to the kitchen and i I walked over there and they, they asked like two questions they asked me if i brought my knives and uh if i brought my apron and right when i started it like instantly people were telling me like everything was just so strict and everything was at a, at a standard that was so high that I was used to. I, I had to fold these napkins over and over and like I had to fold it twice hamburger first before I folded it once hot dog. And anytime the corners wouldn't match, they would tell me to start all over. 
And as the day progressed, you know, each activity seemed like very odd. And uh, probably the most uh, the most difficult task they asked me to do was they asked me if I brought a jacket and I had said uh, no. And so they led me into the freezer of the, the restaurant and they, uh, they gave me a, a little light and they told me to sit in there and separate, uh, you know, the membranes from a crab. So um, on a piece of crab, you have like this red layer on it, that which is the, the membrane. And uh, they wanted me to separate it very cleanly and only have the meat left. But the only thing I could use was a flashlight. And I think it was a way of them trying to, you know, um, it's almost like a fraternity kind of thing, you know, a rush kind of thing. They To join the, the group, you had to do something that was pretty ridiculous. And I sat in the freezer, which was, you know, pretty much freezing temperature, wearing only an apron and, you know, my jeans. And I had to sift through all the crab meat and it took me about half an hour. And then sometimes someone would come in and they would ask me, you know, you know, why are you here? And then I, and I would tell them that the chef told me, you know, to do this task and they would just laugh at me and, I think that was like the more difficult part of it when uh, I knew I never went to culinary school. So uh, people always started bashing on me for the lack of, of that education. And uh, as we as we cooked together and as they gave me more tasks, there would be this, we had this thing called a family meal. And during the family's meal, we just sit down before service. And uh, I remember like they pulled out all this old bread and they told me to make them each sandwich. and. I was I was very shocked because I, I I didn't know if they were kidding or not. But uh, I remember sitting down. They uh, gave me each order of their of their sandwich, and I and they would ridiculously ordered like certain things like I wouldn't want this with crust. I don't want this with mustard. And it, for me, you know, making a sandwich it was seemed like a very you know, normal thing to do. But when I was doing it for my first day for them, it made it seem like you know I was living in hell just because like any time I made a mistake. Like if I didn't cut the corners right or I didn't, you know, use the knife properly, they would just bash on me. And that went on through the whole entire day. And at the end of the day, uh, when I had to leave, they, they didn't really say thank you. They, they asked me if they would see me tomorrow in, in the sense that, you know, over the next week, I would be tested like this every single day over and over, not just for skills, but for the ability that you can handle the, the heat of the kitchen kind of thing. Do you end up going back the next day? I did. I did for the whole entire week. <laughs> so, did you end up leaving them, or did they end up saying, sorry, but don't come back type of deal? Um, I remember very, like, it was very faint that um, I think I was in my last day, and they told me if I was coming back, and I, I told them no, just for the fact that um, for the amount of hard work that I was putting in, uh, what I was getting out wasn't what I wanted. I think they, um, when you work in the restaurant life, especially at that level, you'll be working almost 16 hours a day just standing alone. And um, I didn't, I didn't think I was getting, you know, enough out of it for, you know, just standing for 16 hours. So I, I, I just told them that um, I'll, I'll probably see them around, but uh, I probably wouldn't be working with them. So you, you stuck to your own guns, you knew what you were good at, you knew your own pace, and you stuck with it. And ultimately, you said, I'm going to do this my way, and it's working so far. Exactly. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> I saw you were starting your kind of like video logs, your vlogs on YouTube, and 
how did that all start? Because it seems like it, it was pretty recent that you started doing that. Yeah, I think for me, I started doing the whole YouTube and recording my life thing with the ability that I want to be able to watch back at, you know, the big decisions that I make and, you know, keep myself very grounded and know where I came from. And it's also the fact that I, I want to be able to help others find their dreams and passions in their life because I know how difficult it was. And uh, I think it's also awesome that, you know, we live in a world where we can watch and record our videos and they'll be there forever. So it, it's like when my parents, when they, when I was younger, they took pictures of me, but now I can record myself and I can watch that. And also my kids can watch that and their kids could watch, could watch the same thing. And I think that's something powerful in it itself. Yeah. And I really like how you are using it to kind of help other people that are going through what you're doing. You know, I saw you have a video on um, dating as an entrepreneur, which I thought was funny. Um, but then you also had a video quite recently about being honest in life. And you've kind of been, you know, um, we you brushed up on it before, but you kind of talked about how you were kind of down that rabbit hole of telling the white lie after white lie and um, how you're going to improve that. And I thought that was pretty cool. It was open and honest. And it's kind of the same idea that I'm doing is that people can listen to your story and relate to it and talk about the things that people don't normally talk about. I think everybody goes through that stage of telling white lies or they're going through it. And I think, you know, everyone can relate to that feeling of when you're having to not lie to your parents, but deceive them about like, oh, things are going fine, things are going fine, things are going fine. I think everyone can kind of relate to that moment. Yeah, I, I totally agree on that. If you could give advice to a person out there that's thinking of starting their own business or has always had that thought in the back of their mind, but um, hasn't gone through it, what, what advice would you give them? I think... This, this advice is not just for like, you know, entrepreneurs, but I think it's for anyone that, you know, you need to build confidence in yourself, learn that you can say no to the things you don't want to in life. And then you can absolutely say yes to the things that make you happy, even if, you know, those things are really scary. And, you know, do me a favor that um, if you're saying yes to something that is scary, you just need to like close your eyes, you know, hold your breath and just go chase it. You don't need to mention it to anyone. You don't need to, you know, pop it on social media or, you know, put it on your Snapchat. Because, you know, eventually, if you put in that hard work, which might take years, it means so much more to you when you actually accomplish it and you tell and you tell the world, you know, because um, I think a lot of people who um, give advice, they don't really live the life of, you know, what they're saying. And so you need to live the life first and then you can tell people whoever, you know, is in your life that, you know, what you accomplished kind of thing. Right. So live through your actions instead of just saying, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. Just go out there, take that first step and go for it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I think you just sometimes you just have to go all in. And I think, you know, even in your early 20s or in your early 30s, you're still extremely young. And so it's you can take all the risks you want because, you know, like I said, we're working for the rest of our lives. So you might as well take the risk now and find out what kind of person you are before, you know, you're stuck in that social norm bubble kind of stuff that people tell you. Where can people find your business? Where can people find you on social media? You have some awesome YouTube videos. You have an awesome Instagram. 
Uh, you can find me at faintmike.com uh, on Instagram. It's at faintmike, and you can just um, YouTube Mike Trung, and uh, I'm pretty sure you'll you'll find the first one there. Hey guys, thanks for listening to episode two of Our Unique Life. Mike was an awesome guest, and he's young but successful, and he's still got a long ways to go, but he's had a fun life nonetheless, and I hope you tune in next week. Thank you. If I ever make my way out to Portland, can I hit you up for some food? You can, we, I will, we can sit down and you can have a three, three to six course meal with me, man. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you up on that offer.